Today is uh, part seven of our series called Movement, and you're going, man, this is a long series, but I'll explain in just a second, uh, partly uh, why we've been doing it as a little bit longer. Uh, what we've been doing basically throughout this whole series is talking about how did the church really get started, and why do we still know the name of Jesus, and let me just give a brief recap, and many of you have been here for all the weeks, so maybe you could say it as well as what I'm about to say it, but uh, essentially what happens is Jesus, after his death, his burial, and his resurrection, he spends 40 days walking the earth. He, he proves himself to 500 people. There's 500 eyewitnesses that, yes, Jesus really did die, and he rose again from the dead. And Jesus said, all right, now it's better for you guys if I actually return back to heaven and send my spirit to come and live within you. And so the, the, the followers, they just went and they started praying that God's spirit would come. Like we just sang in that song, spirit come, spirit come. And 10 days later, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, seven weeks later, in other words, today, this is seven weeks after Easter, the church got birthed. So that, that gives you a little bit of perspective of how long it's been since we celebrated Easter to now was the day. Today is the celebration of the birth of the church. And as we've discovered, what happened is the church just took off. It exploded. There was 3,000 people that got saved on that very first day. Two days later, 5,000 more people get saved, and it just keeps growing and growing. It's expanding and expanding throughout all the then-known world. And one of the things that we looked at is that the Apostle Paul, he was the one that like, had a, a major, major influence in this. He was carrying out Jesus' vision to, to take the gospel into all the world, and he was starting these little ecclesias. Remember what ecclesia means? It's a what? It's a, a gathering together of people. It's a movement of people, and they're together for a common purpose. Now, oftentimes we translate that word incorrectly as church. It's okay, I guess, now because we, we now understand what church really means. But the, the ecclesia, it wasn't about a building. It wasn't about a band or banners or Bibles or you know, any of those other B words we've talked about all throughout this series. No, it's, it's all about Jesus and, and his resurrection and sharing that good news with as many other people as we possibly can. And so that's what Paul's doing. He's starting these little groups of people, these little churches in every single city that he goes to. Now, one of the questions you may have is, well, how did Paul know where to go? Did you, did you think about that? Or as I, I just bring that up, is, is that something you're going, well, wait a second, that, that's a pretty good point because the world is a, a pretty big world. How exactly did Paul know where he was supposed to go? Well, we find that in the book of Acts. And remember, Acts is the book that was written by who? Who remembers who wrote Acts? Luke did, right. And Luke, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is basically all about Jesus' life and his death, his burial, his resurrection and stuff. It's all about his ministry. And then his sequel to that is the book of Acts, and it's about the start of the church and how did the church become a movement. Well, Luke records for us in Acts chapter 15, verses 6 to 10, these words. He says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia. I'm making that up. I have no idea how to pronounce that. <laughs> and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the, province of Asia, in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter, yeah, again, Bithynia, whatever, Bithynia, Bithynia, there we go. But the Spirit of Jesus would not, what? Would not allow them to. So the Spirit is directing there, right? The Spirit says, do not go there, basically. And so it says, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Tross. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once and left, and to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had done what? God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see what Paul's doing? He's been... He's been given this command by Jesus to take the gospel into all the world, but the world's a pretty big place for one person. So what was he doing? He was praying. He was seeking the Spirit of God. God, where is it that you would have for me to go? And Paul, in his mind, he thought, okay, here's a good place to go. But the Spirit said what? No. And then he had a a vision. A vision from God, and the Spirit said what? That's where you need to go. See, Paul's doing here something that I encourage you to do, and it's a prayer that I've made a a daily part of my life, and you you hear me say these words all the time. But it's basically this. Every day you should pray, God, I'll go wherever it is you want me to go. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. I'll give whatever it is that you want me to give. See, it's not about what you want to do. It's all about seeking the Spirit and His voice, His direction, and saying, God, what is it that you would have for me to do with this day? What is it that you would have me to do with this life? And then just being obedient to that. And so we see that that Paul was obedient to the voice of the Spirit, and, and the reason that we are still sitting here today is because he was obedient to the voice of the Spirit. And last week we looked at, does the church really still matter? The, the capital C church. And we discovered what? That, yeah, it does. It, it really, really does matter. Today, I want to bring it into the, the micro level and does exponential church matter? What is it that we're to be about? Who is it that, that we are? Why, why are we even here today? And where is it that we're going in the future? Now, I'll be honest, uh, unlike most of the messages that I basically write everything sort of out and I'll read through it, you know, during the week and, and basically have it all memorized, today I'm just going with what the Spirit's given me. All right? So... Essentially, I, I want to share just basically what's been on my heart as far as, as, as your pastor is, is the leader here at Exponential. Um, so who knows where this is going to go, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I have some idea. That, so there, there is a little bit of a, a, a plan of, of a couple areas I want to make sure that we hit on. But uh, I, I just want to speak to you, uh, whatever God is, is giving me here this morning. So let me start by sharing, uh, how, how did we get here? Why, why are we even here? Well, we have to go back to the, I guess, the spring of 2006. I was just leaving Purpose Driven Ministries, and I was seeking, where is it that God is calling us to go next? And I thought for sure that I was going on staff at another big mega church somewhere. Remember, Saddleback, 25,000 people every weekend, so you sort of get used to that, right? And uh, so there, there's a lot of advantages to, to big church. There's advantages to small church. There's, it, it doesn't matter one way or the other, but you, you sort of get used to, to big, right? And so I thought for sure we'd go on staff at another big mega church. And I'll never forget, I was actually out at a Life Church in uh, Oklahoma City. We had, Lisa and I had just been there. We were interviewing for a position there. And uh, my phone rang, my, my cell phone. And we were sitting in the airport. My phone rings. It's my friend Andy. And he said, hey, we... Uh, Gail and I, we've gone to uh, the Chambersburg First Church of God to help them get a uh, contemporary worship service started. They've been trying to figure it out. It's a more traditional church, and they're, they're not quite sure what's going on. Uh, but they decided since they don't know what's going on, they need to hire somebody that does know how to do something like this. So I said, well, describe to me what, what's going on. He said, well, you know, it's about 20, 30 people or so that's in the contemporary thing right now. And I'm going, mm, 
you know, in the back of my mind, 25,000 people, 20 people, you know. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not really interested. And I thought, well, wait a second. Maybe the, the traditional part of the church is a, a big mega church or something, and they're just trying to get this contemporary. So I was like, well, tell me about the church overall. He said, well, it's about 300 or so. And I said, I'm not really interested in doing that. Anyway, to make a long story short with all this, he asked me to come in and sort of at least check it out, give him some hints and tips on what was going on. Because in the meantime, while I was sort of looking where is Lisa and I going to go to next, I was doing consulting for various churches throughout the country. And uh, so anyway, I go in. It was horrible. I didn't want to be there. Long story short, they wanted to hire me. I didn't want to be there. Uh, so eventually I said, look, I'll be a consultant for you because I'm doing all these other consulting gigs while, you know, I'm waiting to see where God has for us next. And they said, okay, we'll hire you as a consultant, but only if you'll seriously consider staying here once the four months is up. Now, we didn't want to be there, but we said, sure. I mean, if God shows up and does something miraculous... Sure, we'll stay. So Lisa and I, we actually had a list. It was seven different things that God would have to do during that four-month period in order for us to actually consider staying in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> we get there. The very first week, we had 52 people in the worship experience. Within two years, we were at 550. We had over 300 first-time professions of faith in Jesus. The church itself went from 300 to a little over 1,000. And that church, to this day, is still continuing to grow. We built a new $7 million facility just outside of the, the uh, city, and it, it's still you know, growing. They had over, I think it was 2,200 at Easter this year. Um, so it, you know, in just a, a short time, God did this miraculous thing. Now, again, Lisa and I didn't want to be there. However, now things are growing, and it's like, okay, it's becoming what we thought would be, you know, where we would go to next. Uh, we just sort of grew this thing, and, and God did a miraculous thing. So I, I set that all up because I, I want you to realize, again, we, we didn't want to be there. And throughout the years, people had said to me, Gilbert, you should be a church planner. In other words, get your own church started at some point. Or, or Gilbert, you, you should really be a senior pastor somewhere, a lead pastor. And I was like, I have no interest in that. None at all. I don't want to be a lead pastor. I, I like just helping other people and fulfilling their vision. And as far as church planning, I was like, church planning is for stupid people. Why would you want to do that? Because I remember getting two businesses started, and I had success with my businesses, but they were hard. And I was like, now a church plant, that's like getting a business started, but now Satan's going to be on my back? No, I don't want to have anything to do with that. So anyway, that, that's just setting this whole thing up for you. So never forget it. It's uh, the fall of 2009, and I'm sitting in my home office and um, just you know, doing things on the computer, and an email comes through from the director of church planning for the Churches of God General Conference, which is you know, what, what we're a part of, uh, actually for our eastern region of the Churches of God. And this guy I'd known, his name's Chuck Frank. Some of you met Chuck. He's been here many times. Chuck uh, basically had been one of the churches that had hired me when I left Purpose Driven to be a consultant. He was in the Brethren in Christ denomination at the time. So that's how he and I got to know each other. And then he had gotten hired by our denomination to uh, be the director of church planning. Now, just to tell you, there had been no church planning for many, many years in the Eastern Regional Conference of the Church of God, like just a handful over the past 20 years or so up to the point that Chuck came on. And so he's putting out this, and he, again, he's brand new to staff, he's putting out this weekly email of the state of church planning in the ERC. Well, there was no church planning in the ERC. <laughs> but basically, I'm reading this newsletter every week just out of, like, courtesy, because I knew Chuck in case I ever ran into him. And he's like, hey, you're reading my newsletter? I could say, uh, yeah, I'm reading it, right? 
So anyway, it's a Thursday. His email, weekly email comes through, and there's a little blurb as I'm reading it that says, have a potential location in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, just looking for the right planner. And those words leapt off the screen at me, and within the next 10 seconds, God gave me a vision that literally would take me a half hour to describe everything that God gave me in that 10 seconds. Remember in the scripture that, that Paul was given a, a vision to go to Macedonia? That's what it was for me. There was this, this vision that was like, whoa, I must have ate in some bad pepperoni pizza because that couldn't have been God. Because I don't want to be a church planner. I don't want to be a senior pastor. I don't want to move to Harrisburg. Who lives in Harrisburg? And so anyway, I, I'm like, okay. Um, it was so strong, though, I better at least write it down and <clears throat> pray about it. I wasn't planning on praying about it. <laughs> Told you we'd be honest today. <laughs> the very next morning, out of the complete blue, who calls but Chuck Frank? The very first words out of his mouth is, hey, have you been thinking about starting a church? Like, uh, <laughs> well, let me tell you what happened yesterday. So I share this sort of vision that I had. And he's all excited, like, oh, this is great. We're going to, I was like, whoa, whoa, slow down there, cowboy. <laughs> I was like, I haven't even said anything to Lisa yet. Now, remember, Lisa and I didn't want to be in Chambersburg, but now God had done this miraculous thing and we're really settling in. It's growing. We're rocking and rolling. Lisa had a ministry to college age kids. And it was just, it was fantastic now. And I'm thinking, we've only been here a couple years. We've just gotten settled in. And I'm going to go share this with her. She's going to kill me. <laughs> now, Lisa and I both have home offices because Lisa's self-employed. Some of you may not know that, but Lisa uh, self-employed. And so I get done talking to Chuck and I walk down the hallway to Lisa's home office and knock on the door with fear and trembling. <laughs> and I go in, I said, hey, I need to talk to you. I need to share something with you. And so I shared with her what had happened the day before. I shared with her what had just happened with Chuck. And she says, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. We need to do that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. Now we, actually, <laughs> now we do have to pray about this. <laughs> and so that led to a, a period of prayer. And we actually went out to San Diego and went through a whole week-long assessment of were we truly called to be church planners or not? Because remember, I didn't want to be a church planner, but we go through that and just another confirmation from God, there was 30 couples there being evaluated of should you plant a church or not. Only three of us got a green light to plant. Right, all right. <laughs> Guess we got to do this. And so that, that led to a, a process of, you know, continuing to, to pray about, you know, coming up here and... and, and and Well, actually, that was sort of the, we knew at that point, uh, but actually commuting back and forth from Chambersburg to Harrisburg, just starting to do things. That's how I got to uh, originally meet Bill. Actually, I think Bill came on in like April or so of 2010. Now, we didn't launch till October 2010, but uh, Bill was a connection that was already here uh, that I didn't know him before. I won't even get into that story. That's a long story. It's a cool story, but uh, anyway, got to, got to know Bill. Bill put together a band. We actually had a full like band put together like by May, I think it was, and they were already rehearsing and stuff. Most church plants, I, I mean, I have a, a friend that planted about the same time that we did. He still doesn't have a band, and we, we had a band like 
four or five months before we even planted the, the church, right? And so we, we got that all together, and we had this, this vision. And let, let me share with you the, the sort of the, real quick, four parts of the vision. God showed me, he said, I want you to have relevant weekend worship experiences. Sort of what you experience here, that, you know, you, you, you come in just as you are. Uh, it's, you know, uh, very casual. Uh, it's more of a rock, you know, style, lighting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the, the preaching, the messages, you know, it's sort of down to earth and that people can understand, you know, it's like not way above the head type of thing. Uh, so that, that was it. And, and that's what I knew. I, I, that's what I had done at Chambersburg. And then we'd seen all this, this growth. Uh, so what relevant weekend worship experiences. Uh, you Matter, which I'm going to talk about You Matter in just a little bit more here in just a second. But uh, with, with You Matter, it was a thing of helping people not just come to church, but to be the church out in the community. And again, I'm going to unpack that in just a second a little bit more. The, the third part of the vision that God gave me was to have a life skills center. Now, obviously, we needed to have our own facility before we'd ever be able to do that because we launched in a movie theater. But the life skills center was basically this idea of Having Exponential Church be a place that people could come to for anything. So if you need to know how to handle your finances, how to raise your kids, how to have a better marriage, how to learn how to knit, how to play guitar, how to, I mean, just anything, not even spiritual things. But it could just be a place where we had people that had skills within our congregation that they're like, hey, I, I can do this, and I could teach other people how to do it. And then we would find other people from the community that we'd offer the building to them to, to come in and, and teach just basic life skills. You need to know how to type, hey, come to Exponential Church. And what God gave me through that was basically... They may come into the building and they don't believe the whole Christianity thing, they don't believe the whole Jesus thing, whatever, but they would come in and say, wow, this is a unique building. You know, this doesn't look like, you know, a church and, and that they come in and get to meet some people and go, well, these people aren't so bad, these Christians. Maybe I'll come check out a Sunday morning at some point. And then the, the fourth part of the vision then was the multiplication side of things, the, the church multiplication. Again, because of my background with uh, Purpose Driven, God gave me a, a real passion and a desire and a heart for pastors to not just be a pastor, but then to equip and train pastors to help them in their local communities. And so I always saw that Exponential would be a, a place where pastors could come in and get training and that I would continue to go out and, and do training. But uh, eventually that the, the whole body, it would be part of our, our DNA and our core that we would get behind, hey, we can have an exponential impact, not just on our local community, but if we are helping other pastors go back to their communities, then, again, that, that's another way to, to be exponential in, in what we're doing. So, again, those bottom two parts of the, the vision, the, the church uh, multiplication center and then the life skills center, those were things that we couldn't really do until we had our own facility. Now we have our own facility, and some of the church multiplication stuff we have done. We've hosted a number of uh, conferences here, and some of you have actually helped out a little bit with that. But I, I see that in the future being more and more that the whole church sort of gets involved in that and that we're, we're hosting things. I still have a lot of contacts throughout the country, big-name people that you know, we could bring in to do training uh, that we wouldn't have to offer as far as that you know, I teach it or Nate teaches it, but we could bring in you know, these, these other people uh, to, to do these things. Not that we couldn't, but um, you see what I'm saying with that. So those were the sort of the, the four big parts. Now, we launched over at the movie theater just up the street, for those of you that don't know, at the uh, Regal uh, Cinemas on uh, October the 17th, 2010. And our goal for that day was to launch with 400 people, the day one, 400 people. 
we actually had 173 in attendance that morning. And so it wasn't quite where we thought we would be. Uh, but then we settled in around 140-ish in attendance. And I tell you what, this has been the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life over these past eight years of trying to get a, a church up and running from scratch. The, the advantage I had at Chambersburg is I was coming in and starting a contemporary thing, but all the other infrastructure was already existing. The administrative side and the, the discipleship side, and I mean, just everything was already there. Basically, by the time I left there, my entire role, my like whole week, was just nothing but planning what I was going to speak on Sunday mornings. That's a pretty good job if you can get it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you can take a, a 40, 50, 60 hour work week and just put it all on what I'm going to speak for 40 minutes, right? And I had a whole team of people that was helping me with that as well. And so the, the whole administrative side, and, and I mean, it, there's things that they don't teach you, you know, when you go through college or seminary or whatever. Of, I mean, when, when you're planning a church, and Nate and Allison, they planted a church out in uh, Ohio many years ago, and then they can tell you it's the same. I mean, you've got to be, you know, a little bit, you got to know how to do taxes, and you got to know how to, uh, you know, do every, every side of church that you can think of, and even the sides that aren't of church, you've you got to do. You know, Bill and I were in, we were doing some work this week, and, you know, and we're up on scaffolding and, you know, stuff, and it's like, you know, you just, you just do things, right, that, that you didn't know that you were going to do. So uh, anyway, it, it's, been, it's been hard, and we've been all over the place uh, as far as attendance-wise. Harrisburg's been a very hard area. It actually reminds me of when I was in Purpose Driven. The hardest area of the country for churches spiritually is in the New England states. It is just very, very hard rocky soil, so to speak, to, to sort of plant the gospel in, and just the frustration that those guys go through on, and, and, and gals on a daily basis is just incredible, and I've experienced some of that, you know, one of my jokes I've had is I only want to quit on days that end in the letter Y, <laughs> right? Uh, so uh, again, it's been this sort of roller coaster. Um, one of the weird things was our very first time change. So we had settled in about 140, and, and some of you are here, I see the sellers, you know, you guys were here for that. The very first year, the spring time change, right, that you lose the hour of sleep, we went from 140-something the week before, it was like 70 the week of that time change. I was like, okay, well, people were just out partying late the night before, right? And uh, they, they lost that hour of sleep, so they'll all be back the next week. No, we had to grow again and start, it, it was like 80-something the next week, and then we, we grew, and we eventually got up into the, like, 220s at one point, and then it's just been this roller coaster up and down and up and down and up and down, and man, it is really, it's done some cool things for me, personally. Um, I've calmed down a lot. I mean, some of you are like, he's still pretty intense. <laughs> I know some of you, and Lisa says, people are scared of you. I was like, why? I'm just like, you know, I'm just a normal, normal person, right? Um, but I've really calmed down on, on some things and realized that all this is in God's timing and in God's hands. And you know what? It would have been very easy to bail on this five years ago, right? Because I could still get hired at wherever that I wanted to. But God still has me called here into you, into this community. And I still think that the best is yet to come, that God has great things that he wants for us. But it's taken a, a shift in thinking for me of, all right, what does success look like? You know, 
quote unquote success, right? And as I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago, you know, one of the, the big things for, for me has been that it's not about our seeding capacity, it's about our sending capacity, that are we truly sending people out with the gospel message? Because we could have a, a church of 2,000, but if everybody's just consumers, it doesn't really matter. Because it's not about how many people show up, it's about how many people are being sent out and actually doing something for Jesus. This, this movement that we've been talking about throughout this whole series. And so it, it's very, very important that, that, that we do that, that we're going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so as I've been sort of reflecting on, you know, where we're at and where are some of our, our sort of uh, uh, things that we need to improve on and where are we going. You know, just the whole administrative side, that's been a, a weak area for us. So if you have some skills in that area, you want to help out. We have some people that, that, that help, but right now we only have enough people that just basically just gets enough done that needs to get done. But we, we could take that to sort of another level. So if you have some experience with that, that would be great. Also from our just uh, uh, experience-wise, our, our team-wise, uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, Bill say, or I know Allison's got a lot of great ideas and stuff, and, and we brainstorm all these great ideas of things that we could do, but then it's like, okay, who's going to actually carry those, you know, things out? So if you're good at brainstorming and just coming up with creative things, we'd love to talk to you about that, to be a part of that team, but then we just need people that have skills in, in, in various ways to be able to come alongside and uh, help pull some of these things off. So if you want to talk about that, we can uh, talk about that. Also from a, a leadership standpoint, this has been one of the, the weird things for us. We actually uh, set up our constitution that we're what's called a staff-led church. Uh, many of you have been a part of churches where they have a church board. Uh, how many of you have ever been a part of a church that had like a, a church board, right? And a lot of times they're elected, you know, people. And how many of you have been in those churches and see, man, there's a lot of politics that happen in a church with a church board? Right? So one of the things that we actually got special permission when we launched the church was to, because our denomination, our what's called polity, which means how does, basically policies of how does a church operate, says that you're to have these, you know, elected elders and deacons and blah, 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 right? And uh, as I got to travel around the country for Purpose Driven and I saw all the different models, I saw that the, the churches that had the least amount of politics and, and the, the least amount of church splits and, and just people playing games, was staff-led churches. And so we got special permission to actually be a staff-led church. Now, we launched with four staff uh, from day one, and that's how we sort of did things. And so that was good. And then uh, Chelsea, who was our children's director, she fell in love and got married and moved away, you know, and, and that type of thing. Uh, but, yeah, she's doing great. She's out in Ohio now and, and actually on staff at a, at a church there. And her and her husband uh, are expecting their second child uh, coming up here pretty soon, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, so she left, and then Chad, who was our, uh, our discipleship pastor and uh, sort of an executive type of role, he actually got called to go to the church that I came from. And uh, so he's doing a great job down there as the executive uh, pastor with that. He and I are still in uh, close contact. Actually, he and I are working on a project right now because uh, we're on the team that's hiring our next executive director for the entire uh, uh, Eastern Region uh, Conference. So uh, Chad and I are responsible to work on doing the interviewing process for that. But anyway, great, great guy, but he left. And so we just kept going. And so Bill and I eventually got to the place where like, this doesn't quite feel right, just the two of us doing this. Maybe we should look at going to more of a, a model of leadership where we have other, you know, leaders. And even in that, even in the staff-led structure, we still had cons 
consultants from within the church, so to speak, that when there was big decisions to make, we would go to people, Brian, you know, Hoke was one, Mike Sellers, you know, another one, some of uh, other people that we'd just say, hey, what, what do you think about this? You know, like this building. Bill and I weren't going to make a decision on the building by ourselves, <laughs> right? So I forget how many people, Brian, uh, it was like maybe a dozen people that came over that initial uh, day that, and I think Mike, you were, yeah, Mike was definitely here. It was like a dozen people from Exponential that came over and just sort of looked at it. It was just like, hey, what, what do you guys think, right? And uh, anyway, Bill and I thought, well, let's, let's have a more formal structure of leadership. And so we actually hired somebody to help us set it up. And we had a, a meeting about it, actually at uh, Brian and Terry's house. They hosted it. And then we had a second meeting at Brian and Terry's house. And uh, at the end of it, the consultant, he, he called me, and he said, Gilbert, he's like, amongst the, the people that we're talking to, and actually I know uh, Simon and Melanie, they were, they were there at that meeting as well, because basically what we were doing was taking the different ministry leaders and had them come in. And they were like, uh, we, or the, the consultant says, I don't think they want this change. I think they're happy with the way it is because as we have been discussing things, one of the things they had each talked about was how do we keep this from being political and that people were in this for the wrong reasons. And so Steve, our consultant, he's gone, I don't think they want this. He said, let's do an experiment. Even though we're supposed to have another meeting to sort of keep the process going, let's just not say anything and see what happens. See how long it takes before somebody actually brings this up. Do you know that it was actually Brian Hoke, he and I were having a lunch one day out near Hershey. Brian was the one that won the prize for bringing it up. I, I guess I paid for lunch that day. <laughs> it was a year and a half later that Brian at that lunch said, hey, you know, I've been thinking... Whatever happened to those meetings? <laughs> and so it, it's still a thing that we're not quite sure what we uh, want to do with it, but it has been cool as exponential that there isn't a lot of politics stuff. There hasn't been a lot of fighting amongst our, you know, not that we have membership, but amongst our, you know, people. Um, it's been pretty smooth sailing as far as that's concerned. But we do want to figure out a, a way to sort of raise up more leaders and, and have more people speaking into the process. Now, what that looks like, if it's formal or informal, however, uh, we want to do that. So that's that. The, the thing I wanted to come back to, and so there's uh, uh, two big, big things uh, for me. One is with You Matter. And Chad had sort of headed that up, and then uh, Terry took it on when Chad uh, left. And, as many of you know, Brian and Terry, they've had to step down and, and, and sort of pull back just because of some personal things that are going on uh, in their lives. And uh, so we really need to sort of ramp back up what New Matter's all about. And, and I, I want to try to explain again exactly this, this vision that God gave me for what New Matter could be. Because again, this, this is sort of unique as far as uh, what, what churches are doing. And, and it actually ties into some other things. If you've noticed, we only actually have five ministries of Exponential Church. That's official ministries. We do our weekend worship experiences. We have our life groups. We have You Matter. We have children's ministry. And then youth ministry is something that, you know, eventually we do want to have our own formal youth ministry. We partner with another church right now um, on that. But that's it. 
And as far as I'm concerned, those are the only five ministries we'll ever have. Why? Because instead of you coming and doing our ministries, I would much prefer you doing your own ministry. See, if we have, like, like my first church that I pastored at, we had 23 official ministries of the church. That's a lot of things to have to staff. And so it was always about come to the building, you know, where people would say the church. Remember, this building isn't the church. You know, come to our building to do our ministries. Well, I'd much rather you be doing a ministry that you are passionate about, that God has called you to do instead of the ministry that God's called me to do. And so what you matter really is all about is this, and, and you've heard me say this before, that we're all called to full-time ministry. Every single one of us. You may not be called to be a pastor. That, that's a, a role. That's a sort of a title. But we're all called to full-time ministry. And no matter who you are, no matter what your job is, you are a full-time minister of the gospel of Jesus. You are somebody that's keeping the movement going, regardless of who pays your paycheck. That's just how you make a living. Your life is to be about your ministry that you have, what God has called you to do. In other words, you matter. Your life matters. You're not here just taking up space and just sort of to go through the motions. You really do matter. And your job is to now go out into the world and say to the world, what? You matter. You matter to God and you matter to me as well. And so here's the, here's the basic idea of what you matter is, is to be. The, the end goal is that every single one of you would have your own personal ministry that you're doing to impact, and it, it could be just two or three people. Or it could be to a whole neighborhood. Or maybe it's something bigger, to, to a whole city. You know, I use Karen as an example all the time, you know, of what she's doing with ICANN. But that just started out as a little small thing, but it just keeps growing, 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 right? And that's her ministry. She doesn't report to me. She doesn't have to ask me for permission for anything. Now, we as a church body, we help to sponsor her and, and help her. That's part of where your money goes is we, you know, if she has a need for ICANN, then we help to, to facilitate that. And if she has questions, she knows she can come to me for counsel and various things because my job as a pastor is not to do the ministry. My job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so, really, if that's the end goal, how do we get you there? Well, and, and this, this is where we need to get back to is we need to have like 12 different organizations in Harrisburg that we partner with. Now, this, this isn't events that we do. Now, sometimes we have done events, and, and like they'll ask us to send a whole team of people, you know, 12 people out to do whatever. But this is really about, you know how every month with the check-ins, we, we partner with a different organization. We say, hey, this month when you check in on Facebook, we're partnering with that organization. It needs to be the same thing that there's like 12 different organizations and every month we're able to say to you here, you know, Bethesda Mission is who we're partnering with this month. Or we're partnering, you know, with, um, you know, uh, uh, Isaiah 61 Ministries with the homelessness or, you know, we just, we, we're partnering with them. And you know that this is who we're partnering with this month and you have the opportunity to go serve. And we're going to encourage you to every month just take some time 
And it doesn't have to be as a whole group. It can be just one or two of you at a time. Just this is the organization we're partnering with. Go and serve there. And so one month, maybe you go and you, you serve with Bethesda Mission. And you're like, okay, this is good, but really wasn't my thing. And then the next month, maybe you go serve with the homeless with Isaiah 61. And you're like, okay, this was a good night, you know, serving people food and everything, but it really wasn't my thing. And then the next month, you, you go and you partner with a different organization, and maybe it's a, a ministry to single moms. And you're like, wow, I, I really have a heart for this. And I, I have gifts and skills and talents and abilities that can help in this area. Or guys, maybe you go out one time and, you know, you're, you're helping Habitat for Humanity or something, and, and you're building the houses, and you're like, wow, God's given me gifts and skills and talents and abilities to be able to, to help this organization. And so you have, you have a couple choices then at that point. You can either continue to partner with that organization and help them, or maybe like Karen, you're going to get a vision for your own thing in your own ministry. And again, as Exponential Church, then we'll come alongside you and, and help you to get that up and running and get you the training you need and the, the tools and then the various things that you need so that you can do your ministry. Your ministry. Now, I know some of you, even volunteering once a month somewhere, that's even a big step for you. So that's why we always encourage you, find somebody else from the church to go along with you because there's going to be some accountability in that. But here's the other thing that we do with You Matter is we say every single day, find a simple way to show somebody that you matter to God and you matter to me as well. That can be as simple as opening up a door for somebody. It can be watching for that lady in the parking lot that's struggling with her groceries, and so you, you help her you know, with that. It could be raking your neighbor's lawn. Just, just keeping the spiritual antenna up, so to speak, where you're just like looking for opportunities of, okay, God, it's not about me, but God, where is it that you want me to go? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to say? Where, what is it that you want me to give? And if God says to do it, you do it. And there's going to be some things you're going to say, oh, I should do this. And God's going to say what? What did he say to Paul at the beginning? No. So every good idea isn't necessarily a God idea. You just listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit, that nudging. And when the Spirit nudges you, you do what we talked about at the beginning of the, the series. You just have the courage and the boldness now to speak or to do something for somebody. And what are they going to say? Because they're going to be surprised, right? Why'd you do this? Because you matter to God. You matter to me. And you can give them one of the little you matter cards, right? We offer them out there at the, at the lobby. You just reach in your wallet and you pull one out. And you just hand it to them. If you don't even want to say anything, you can just say, here it is. The reason I did it was because of this. And it just, right on, it says, you matter. And that's why somebody at Exponential Church has done this random act of kindness for you. We hope it's brightened your day as a reminder that God loves you. And then on the back, it just has a little bit of information about the church. And then it encourages them to do something for somebody else, to show somebody else that you matter to God. So again, we've got to get back to this, this thing of it's not just about coming to church, it's about you being the church all week long out in the community, serving people, helping people, and continuing to discover who it is that God made you to be, what is the unique calling you have on your life, and then getting that, that ministry started, whatever that looks like, whether it's partnering with somebody or doing your own thing as well. All right, then 
that, that's a big thing that's been on my heart and my mind. And then one last thing, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago to you, uh, but because of my style, many of you know I, I used to be a professional magician, and so I was an entertainer on stage, and so production stuff, that comes naturally to me. And for Bill, that, that's part of his natural leaning too. And when I, you know, my first church, and then, you know, being out at Saddleback, which, of course, is huge production. Uh, then some of the churches that I traveled to, it, you know, pretty big production type stuff. And then what I did at Chambersburg, very big production thing. And what happened is we kept growing, 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 growing. And here's what's amazing. At uh, Chambersburg, we actually had 11 consecutive quarters of growth. That includes three different summers. Now, church attendance usually dips during the summer for churches. We actually had three summers where it was quarter over quarter higher. We had 11 consecutive quarters of growth. And so when God called me to move here to Harrisburg, I thought, well, I'll just repeat what we did there. Because it's only you know, an hour away, and this is going to be easy. Because I wasn't even allowed to advertise at Chambersburg. I won't even get into the story of that. But I wasn't even allowed to advertise down there. We did it all strictly on word of mouth. That people were so excited that they just kept inviting and inviting and inviting and it kept growing and growing and growing and growing. Here's what I've come to discover though. Our front door was bigger than our back door. And what I mean by that was if you have 10 new people showing up every week, but six people from the week before left, well, you still showed net growth. And so we just kept growing, 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 growing. I didn't realize really how big the back door was down there that it was just a constant turnover of people, but yet we had more people coming in than the people that were leaving, and so we just kept seeing growth. That hasn't happened here. We've had a lot of people come through, but then the back door has been just as big or bigger many times than what the front door's been. And so that really has had me wrestling the last couple of years of, all right, again, what do we do to, to make sure that, that because in, in my mind, it, it was, okay, if we're growing, and of course they had the structure there at Chambersburg that people could get into classes and you know, various things. In my mind, I was like, oh, well, people must be spiritually growing as well. But that's where I sort of got to the place of, well, wait a second, maybe or maybe not. And so as I started to think through this whole discipleship thing, okay, what, what would that really look like? And uh, it, it's been a fascinating couple years, and I know Nate, he's been a part of this uh, process as well, uh, because our denomination is going through it. And we're just really going back to what does it mean to be a disciple, and I talked to you about that a couple weeks ago. But I want to put the Great Commission back up for you, Matthew uh, chapter uh, 28, verses 18 to 20. Guys, if you can throw that up there, Matthew 28. All right, as they're doing it. Jesus basically said this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's, that's your commission. That's my commission. What is the movement supposed to be about? This. Go and do what? Make disciples. And intellectually for many years I was making a lot of converts but not necessarily disciples now again I knew that it needed to be more than that but I was just sort of able to pawn that off on other people 
that I, because I have the spiritual gift of evangelism, so I was able to lead a lot of people to Christ and then hope that somebody else was going to pick up the, the discipleship part of it, right? Or that just simply through Sunday mornings that discipleship was going to happen. Now, hopefully you are getting discipleship through Sunday morning, but what I've come to understand is it, it's going to have to be more than that. But what I've also come to understand is the traditional way of doing that, whether it be Sunday school or even life groups, there's good value in that because you take that big circle of a Sunday morning and you make that circle a little bit smaller. There's a little bit more interaction. There's a little bit more accountability in that. However, we met a guy back was it long, a little over a year ago, something a year and a half ago, uh, named Steve McCoy with 360 Church down in uh, Sarasota, Florida. And he said, you know what? Big circle's good, Sunday morning. Life groups, good. But there needs to be that even smaller circle than that. And so he really encouraged us to go to a one-on-one discipleship model. And here is what he said that just, it, right? it blew my mind. And, but now I'm able to go back and just see it in so many instances. Let's say that uh, just everybody that's on the front row here, this the... Uh, five, six, six of us, all right? So Scott and Sheila and, and Nate and Allison and Bob, we're, we're all in a, in a life group together, right? And let's say Nate's the facilitator of the group. And Nate's doing a great teaching on something and then facilitating, we're having great conversation, et cetera, et cetera. But let's say that whatever that particular lesson was about, I didn't get it. Gilbert didn't get it. Bob got it. Allison got it. Scott and Sheila, they got it, but Gilbert didn't get it. Nate, as a leader now, has a choice to make. Is he going to hold the rest of the group back until Gilbert gets caught up? Or is he going to press forward so that these guys don't get bored, but now I'm left behind? See how that presents a little bit of dilemma? When you're doing one-on-one, though, guess what? There is no time restriction on it. You just keep working on the lesson until the person gets it. And so Steve introduced us to this thing called exchange. And I've been piloting it sort of behind the scenes for the last uh, six or so months. Steve, how long have we been gone? Seven months. Uh, Steve and, and Bruce, uh, two guinea pigs. <laughs> uh, but th- these were guys that both had expressed to me through the years that, man, I, I just want more. I, I want to take my, my spirituality sort of in the next level. And so I pulled these two guys aside and said, Hey, will you do this with me? Now, I've done one-on-one discipleship stuff before. Actually, uh, 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 yeah, Mike. <laughs> yeah, Mike. I should know Mike. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Mike and Teresa, Mike and Teresa had gone through a uh, discipleship thing with me a couple years ago. And it was good. And I think they got a lot of value out of it. The problem was at the end, when I said, could you take somebody else through this? It was so deep, so to speak, that they're like, eh, probably not, <laughs> right? However, with this exchange, it is so cool because everything is provided, and, and we're going to be sharing this with you uh, soon. I mean, you can, you can download it if you want, but um, it's actually called the Small Circle app. It's a free app, and you're able to download it, and you're either the disciple maker or you're the disciple. And it's just a one-on-one type of thing. And there's 24 different lessons. You meet every other week with the person. And you just, like, even as the disciple maker, everything I need to do for the lesson to teach 
it's right in the app. It tells me, here's exactly what you need to prepare, here's what you need to say, here's the big thought for the day. That, look, if they don't get anything else out of this, make sure they get this. And so Steve and, and uh, you know, Bruce, they have a lot of study that they do at home, and uh, Bruce, you said, what, like 10, 10, 10 to 12 hours he's taken every other week, you know, that he's studying on his own, doing all these things. Then we get together and we just discuss it. Now, you're going, that sounds like just a Bible study. The beauty of exchange is this, and I wish I could elaborate more on it, but I can't because I'd give it away. But the beauty of it is this. It's called labs. Did you notice that Jesus never said to people, hey, guys, gather around, open up your curriculum, and uh, what, you know, what, what, what did you put in the blank for question number one? Jesus never did that, did he? What did Jesus do? He just had the people with him. And as they were going, he'd go, hey, look at the lilies of the field there. Look, look at the birds of the air. And he would teach a lesson on that. Or they'd be out fishing, and he would teach a lesson. Or they'd be out on the Sea of Galilee, and the storms are going and stuff. And he would use the waves as an illustration, and the storm as an illustration to teach them spiritually. And that's what these labs do. Each and every one of these uh, 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 lessons has a lab to it that they get to experience what they've learned. And it's been so neat with the guys because they'll come in and I'll ask them, what'd you get out of the lesson? And, and a lot of times they'll, they'll have gotten it. They'll, they'll give me the big thought of it. And they know it intellectually. They're able to say it. But then we do the lab and you can just see it in their eyes. Just, it, it clicks for them that, oh, okay, <laughs> now, now I get it, right? And then, then we discuss that. And actually, when I talk to them anymore, I'll say, you know, what, what did we learn with the mousetraps? What did we learn when we went to the cemetery? What did we learn when we went to the mall? What did we learn? You know, I'm giving a little bit away, but not, not a lot. But, you know, and so we, we talk about these things in those terms. And it's just been phenomenal. Now, here's the agreement that they made. Here's, here's the exponential impact to it. Let's, let's go back to uh, the uh, uh, Great Commission there in Matthew 28. I mentioned this the other week. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then down here he says, and then teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. What command did he just give them? To do what? To go and make disciples. So a disciple, to be a disciple, you have to do what? Make disciples, right. Look at what Paul says to, to Timothy, and I mentioned this as well the other week in 2 Timothy 2 too. He says, you must teach others those things. Let me look that back there. I can't say that. You must teach others those things, and, and many others have heard me speak about. Teach these great truths to trustworthy men who will in turn pass them on to others. So there's four generations of discipleship here. Paul took what he learned from Jesus and from the other disciples. He took those things. He passed it on to Timothy, and he says, now, Timothy, I want you to teach these things to trustworthy people who in turn will teach them to others. Four generations of disciples there. And so I shared with you a quote as well, look at this, that we just heard uh, from, what's that guy's name? Steve, um, doesn't matter. Anyway, he says this, if you're not making disciples who make disciples, then you're not making disciples because disciples make disciples. And so that's really what we're going to encourage you guys to do is to realize it's not about you just coming to Exponential on Sundays. 
It's about you growing in your faith, becoming a disciple. But to be a disciple, you have to then in turn make disciples who? Make disciples who? Make disciples. That's on all of us. As a follower of Jesus, to be a part of his movement, you need to be a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who in turn makes disciples. David Nelms. I called him Steve. Yeah, a lot of Steves. Yeah, yeah, David Nelms. Anyway, that's where we're sort of going. And what we're going to see with that, because again, for me, it was easy when you can do the advertising and you can do just sort of the big blast to just draw crowds and stuff, whatever. Look, we could do that if we wanted to, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're making disciples. Again, we could have a crowd of a thousand, but that doesn't mean that they're disciples who are making disciples who make disciples. So instead of the, the sort of silver bullet, boom, we just, one week, it's, it's just big, and, and, I, and that doesn't mean stop inviting, and then we're not going to still advertise and stuff, but what it does mean is this. We're going to take the slow growth approach that one on one on one on one, we're going to teach people how to be a disciple so that they can in turn be a disciple. So when I asked Stephen Bruce to do this, I said, look, this is a two-year commitment. One year with me, but then the second year, now you're going to take somebody through it as well. And so we're going to, again, it's slow growth at this point because, you know, it's one becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight, becomes 16, becomes 32, becomes 64, where if we're even talking just years at that, well, it takes us six years even to have 64 of you go through it. But that's why we're trying to speed up the process a, a little bit. I know Nate and Allison have both started with the disciple. Bill's uh, going to be uh, taking a disciple here pretty soon. And if there's any of you that you go, you know what, I, I think that from a spiritual standpoint, I'm actually ready to disciple somebody. I don't need to be discipled. I'm ready to disciple. Please let us know that, and we'll set you up with the app and, and, and get you some training of how the whole thing works. And then if there's any of you that are going, you know what, I'm ready, I, I'm hungry, I, I'm like Stephen Bruce, I want to go to that next level. Please let us know that as well, because we want to get you on the list. Now, again, we may not have enough disciple makers right now to handle as many people that want to be disciples, so you're going to have to be patient with us. But also be thinking about this and praying about it, because it is a huge, huge commitment. Again, they're putting in a lot of time, and this is on top of family and jobs and other church things that they're doing. You know, it, this is an extra thing that they've put on uh, to their schedules, and it's a big commitment because it's a multi-year commitment. So if you're somebody that feels led to that, let us know that as well. All right, I'm done. Um, anyway, just a little bit that's on my heart, obviously a lot that's on my mouth. <laughs> uh, but as I said earlier, I think that the best is yet to come. That God still has a plan for us, and, and we're committed to it. Lisa and I are buying a brand new house, so we are committed. <laughs> we are committed to being here. Again, unless God, I mean, tomorrow God could say, move to Africa or whatever, and if it's truly God, we're moving to Africa, right? Because we're going to do what God says. But we're still feeling called to you guys and to hear. And, and we think that, that this can become a movement. We can do great and mighty things for God to be the church that he's called us to be. But it's going to take all of us coming on board. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, for this day. Thank you that uh, you gave that vision to me many, many years ago to, to move here to the Harrisburg area, and I thank you for how it's changed me and shaped me. I, I thank you for the many lives that have been impacted uh, here in the Harrisburg area because of the, the ministry that we've been able to do together as a church body. And Lord, uh, we're not content, though. 
we, we want to see and be a part of your movement here in Harrisburg. So help us, Lord, each and every day to be attentive to the voice of your Spirit and to just look for ways to show people that you matter to God and you matter to me and, and help us all have that, that burning desire to, to grow in our own faith so that we can then teach others who in turn teach others. Lord, it's not for our glory. It's, it's simply for your glory that we want to do these things. We want to be kingdom builders and, and, and just help to expand your kingdom in, in whatever way we can. So help us to get out of your way and just fully submit to the voice of your spirit. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.